Lauren. Hi, I'm Kelly. And welcome to The Millennial Minimalist. Today, we are focusing on our minimalist journeys and the productivity systems and lifestyle habits we can apply for great success. As we like to say, minimalism is a lifestyle template. It's an opportunity for us to clear our lives of excess and gain the clarity and space to take action on our goals and live by our values. This lifestyle can help us uncover our why and our vision so that we can design our best life. That being said, when it comes to how to plan our every day, there are universal strategies of success we can adopt and shape to stay on track. This is where our special guest comes in. Today, we are joined by Raphael Wong, a dear friend and the host of the Canvas Series podcast, a show where he connects with busy professionals to unpack their unique strategies for managing everyday priorities and creating results. In this discussion, we hope to provide you with the tools and habits to design or jumpstart your minimalist lifestyle journey and produce results that matter to you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being on this. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, we're so, so excited to have you here. Basically, you fill in the gap for us. So with minimalism, now that we have this clean template, this clean slate, or have that clarity to see our goals and understand our innate identity, the next step is like the how to, like, how do we start? What tools do we need to put in place? But before I ask you those questions, we want to know what are the passions and priorities that keep you busy today? For sure. So when I think about the different things that, you know, really matter to me, and this really ties into one of the core principles of minimalism, which is really being intentional and being thoughtful and methodical about the things that you truly care about, or you know, things that bring you joy. And you know, if I were to think of Um, The five or six things that come to mind immediately, it's one, my personal mission, which I um, exemplify through the Canvas series and under the larger umbrella of my technique, um, my own personal growth and development. So being a student, being a practitioner, always reading, always trying new things, um, experimenting with new systems. I don't think, you know, that I have, I will ever find the system and that will be the uh, de facto forever, right? It's going to constantly evolve with me. Um, in addition to my mission and my personal development, uh, my relationship with my girlfriend is obviously very important to me. Um, my job at ThoughtWire is very important to me. Um, so you know, you've got the full-time job, you yes, have the relationship, yes, you have your podcast. Yes. podcast. Like, how do you- and my health as well, right? Like, <laughs> I, I really, you know, recently uh, put a lot of time thinking about how do I build capacity in my life? And, and, and you know, I've noticed that um, I've been very, um, like, I've been a lot of of uh, progress in my career, my mission, I've noticed that I've neglected my health being uh, like a major area. So sleep, nutrition, um, consistent exercising. So again, so, you know, ever since I've realized that I've had to reshape my system to make that a top priority. And that's something that I'm constantly, I'm checking in with myself, being intentional about it, stripping out things that are not as important in this current phase of my life. And again, if it means working a little less hours, if it means not you know, making as fast of a uh, progress in my career, um, but to, you know, really invest in my health, um, that to me is a win. So how did you create the space to get there, to figure that out, that you needed to pivot and you needed to make some changes? The first answer I would say is that this was not uh, like a one night thing. This was not a one week thing. This was not a one month thing. This has been an evolution of over a number of years. And I would say the first area that I really started was one, to do an audit of where I'm spending my time, energy, and attention. And then two, you know, really start stripping things out and taking things out. And, and you know, something that I, that I often talk about um, in my prior role 
in strategy consulting, you know, one of the very first things I learned in, in strategy is that, you know, often we're so focused on picking the right path forward. And I think that's so important. But, you know, one thing that we don't think about enough is if we know certain things are not important to us, by removing those things, that clutter, that noise, those uh, distractions, that can actually help us you know, focus on that strategy, focus on that execution, focus on figuring out what works. And I think in today's world where everyone's trying to figure out, you know, what is their passion, what is their why, what is their purpose, you know, instead of, you know, trying to go ahead first and figuring that out, to take a step back, to take out all the things you don't care about. Like if you're not genuinely excited about something, then I really question why you're doing it. Absolutely. And I think it takes a few times and like trial and error to actually figure out what you are interested in, what you do care about. Like you talk about removing things, but you kind of have to go and test it out before you can remove it. For sure. And that's why I talk about systems, right? I think often, um, you know, especially in this um, personal development space, a lot of the thought leaders try and prescribe solutions. They prescribe blueprints. You do these three things and you're really successful. Yeah. And I think we all know that that doesn't work. It's a it's a series of trial and errors. You iterate along the way. You check in with yourself. You ask yourself, like, you know, was that something I genuinely wanted to do? You know, I used to go to meetups a lot. I used to go out to networking events a lot. I'm out three, four times a week. And, and you know, as I... And like at that time in my career, I was a young professional. I was gone to consulting. I wanted to meet as many people as I can, build my personal brand. But now I'm really focused on execution. So my priorities have shifted, and I'm you know spending less time at these events. They drain me. They exhaust me. So you know having the right system to check in with yourself, to be intentional, to remove noise, to prioritize the things that matter. Those are all the principles of success that are universal. Um, and you know, what I often say is, but how their plot is personal. And I think for everyone to figure out what system works for them is the most important thing. Yeah. And it's hard. It takes a lot of work. It does. It comes easier to others. Um, so you talk about having the Canvas Series podcast. What is your mission behind it? And how would you describe what it is? Yeah. So now when I talk about the podcast, I describe it as I interview busy people and understand how they manage all the different priorities in their life and still get the results that matter. Um, and I use the word busy because, you know, and we can talk about that word. I think mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of different perspectives on that. And I don't think, you know, just so we're clear that I don't think people should be busy. I don't, I don't, I don't glamorize being busy, but I use that label, you know, more from a marketing term because people can relate to that, right? How many times have we walked um, and talked to our friends or, you know, like I came to walk in the street right now and sample a hundred people. I guarantee you like 90% of them, other people will say that I'm busy. Yeah, you know, I've been so busy today. I've been so busy this week. But this people are busy these days. Like it's the 21st century. It's just but the how we live our lives. problem with that is that some people confuse being busy with being productive. Yes, yeah, which is the issue. Um, and I think you know, there's also being busy, and then there's um, having complexity. So depending on how you define complexity, I was recently having drinks with a mutual friend of ours, um, Hamza Khan, and he asked me, you know, what is one worldly belief I a belief that I have that you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, what do I think is going to be true and how am I going to build a business around that? The one truth that I believe in is that our society will only become more multifaceted, will only become more dynamic, will only become more complex. So the days of, you know, I am going to finish university and be an accountant for 40 years, 
that lifestyle model is quickly changing, right? You have accountants that are also bloggers. You have, you know, lawyers that are also podcasters. You have food bloggers. You have, you know, travel enthusiasts. Whatever it is, um, you have side hustle. That's like the, the fastest growing, like you know, like economy right now. And I think that multifaceted aspect requires a lot of uh, context switching, right? So just for an example, you know, right now we're we are recording a podcast um, in the areas of personal development, productivity, um, minimalism. You know, six hours ago, I was at a conference for CEOs talking about health innovation at scale. Mm-hmm. Two completely different audiences, two completely different topics. That context switching is really exhausting, especially for me as an introvert. So, you know, what do I do, right? Like, I went home and I asked Kelly, hey, can you push it back a little bit so I can you know, take some time, sit down, relax, meditate, switch gears, and move in? That is a very deliberate process. That's hard if you're just switching gears constantly every single day, multiple times throughout the day. So I have uh, one of my favorite podcasts is Don't Keep Your Day Job uh, with Kathy Heller. And she talks about how our culture is shifting in that way in the sense that we have our day job, but a lot of us have that side hustle passion as well, which is a beautiful thing. We're moving in that direction where it's like, hey, like, yes, you should listen to that inner voice and you should pursue what you want to do. So that being said, it's also important that even when we're so busy these days and we have so many priorities, like how do you find, especially you being an introvert, how do you find time to be alone to recover? So I would say I'm very intentional about it, right? And I'm very uh, protective of my time, my calendar. So, you know, if we were to, um, to look at my calendar five, six years ago, I would probably still have stacked my calendar with different things. But at the time, I never really thought of my energy, my attention. I just looked at things as you know, very one-dimensional as time. Now, if you look at my calendar, I, that's something that I've learned from Hamza is I have these red blocks that are high-energy demanding activities, right? So recording a podcast for me, as much as I love it, as much as it's, it's uh, you know, well-aligned with my mission, my interest, my my passion, whatever you want to call it, um, it demands a lot of energy from me. It's so okay, my baby. it's okay, <laughs> right? But like, you no, know, before and after, there's these blue blocks of like, okay, like meditate, chill, read. That helps me get more energy back. So, wow. being very intentional about it, uh, using a calendar to help me visualize, like blue and red. That like that's just easy, right? There's mm-hmm. like a high contrast there. You know, as part of my system, every Sunday, I I look ahead to see what are the things I have to do. I use kind of like a scrum kind of methodology. And I, like there's one block in there that said, you know, record, um, prepare and record podcasts. I was like, okay, so how do I allocate the time? So in the morning, this morning was my prepare, reading over your questions, thinking about it, you know, what are the, the key messages I want to get across? And then, you know, tonight is the block for podcasting. But again, before and after are like my wellness block, my blue block. So that's kind of how you set boundaries. Yes. So you, you, you know, and I do the same thing. So, as you know, I have a full-time job in addition to the Millennial Minimalist, and I will set literally 10-minute blocks in my calendar, go for a walk. Yes, exactly. And you know, if I have to move it because I have a meeting that needs to go there, I will move it. But it's just important to clear my mind. And just honestly, when you come back to your computer after just going, even if you're grabbing a coffee, it's a fresh new start. It's amazing. 
For sure. Like, when some people see my calendar, they go, like, Ralph, like, are you, like, a robot? Like, you know, this is borderline psychotic. And I'm like, hey, listen, like, you know what? Like, find what works for you, right? Just because the system works for me, it doesn't necessarily mean it works for you. I mean, I would argue that, like, no, like, for instance, I use half an hour blocks at, at, at most. Um, I know people who use 15-minute blocks, right? So it's kind of like, so that to me is too much, right? So um, it's a series of experimentations. If if you don't want to do it by half an hour or hour, you can do it by day. You know, today is a high-energy day, or today is a day that demands my absolute focus and attention. Whatever it is, I think, it's for people to find what works for them. And if you catch yourself saying, like, you know, I don't know where my day went or, or, you know, like today was just a bad day and I don't know why. Well, then maybe it's time to audit how you spend your time, energy and attention. And I think that's the first step. You know, back to what I said earlier, audit myself and remove the things I don't want. And being very intentional about that is uh, extremely important. So how do you, how do you do that? What tools do you put into place? Honestly, now I just use my calendar. I use Trello and I use my OneNote to just capture my thoughts. Okay. Um, so very simple. They're all in the cloud. I wish there was something that was more integrated and that's something I'm going to build through my technique is an integrated solution that brings all those together. And my technique is the umbrella of your yeah. uh, podcast. And your podcast is a piece of my technique. Yeah. Like when I first started the Canvas series, it was you know like a very similar principle. I call it the Canvas series because... You know, what I want to convey was that everyone's life, as a metaphor, has their own canvas. And you know, just because what's on my canvas is how I interpret it as what I want is going to be different from what you want on your canvas, Lauren. It's like a blank canvas. Exactly, yeah, right? And, and, you know, my goal isn't to tell you, Lauren, like, hey, you know, your canvas needs to look like this shape and these, like, these dimensions and these colors. You know what matters most to you um, in your current situation, in your current situation. Um, your current context. What I can do is give you the tools and the colors and the paintbrushes and the different perspectives and insights and systems so you can design what works for you. And that was the founding principle of the Canvas podcast. And then that that started to evolve and I started thinking, you know what, I think an artificial intelligence type technology that can learn with you, that can integrate these different tools together. So my mm-hmm. OneNote, my travel, my calendar, my task reminders on my phone, bring those together and learn with me and adapt my system with me uh, would make my life so much easier. The well, time I spent Lauren and I use the bullet journal. Yeah. It's an analog yeah. system that combines everything. And then for my work, I just use my work calendar, but then I'll create the space in my bullet journal saying I'm at work between these hours because mm-hmm. calendars change at work. Things change, as you know, Lauren, do, yeah. things change, your hours will change. So when you're using an analog system, you don't want to have to write all that stuff in. But what it does do helps you keep your word because you're putting personal stuff in there as well. So would you say that you guys use your bullet journal in a similar fashion or do you have your own kind of quirks and designs? I feel like into we it? have our own way to design. Oh, it. go to YouTube and our audience loves the bullet journal. First of all, we get tons of questions about it on YouTube. There are literally thousands of ways to construct a bullet journal. It's personalized, just like you're saying. Right. And when you invent this t- technology that you're speaking of, we would love to adopt that because sure. because it, it sounds like an e-bullet journal, which would be perfect as and well. <laughs> like when you think about what a bullet journal is, it's it's more of a methodology. It, it has the principles, the same principles in like the whole like minimalism type philosophy. It's being intentional. It's thinking what you want. It's 
you know, keeping to your word, keeping yourself accountable, but how you design is up to you. And that's effectively the philosophy I live by. It's that everything we talk about in personal development and success and productivity, these are all universal principles. I think we all know we need to be intentional and self-aware and, and you know, um, and be accountable. But how we all apply it is so different. And right. There are so many personal development podcasts out there. And Laura and I both both appreciate a few. You've listened to The School of Greatness, right, with Lewis no, Howes. No, no, uh, no. Impact Theory with Tom Billiou. And that's exactly. how we originally connected. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, because we we're both lovers of hit podcasts. I mean, there's beauty in, the, in, in, I guess, personal development, motivation in it. But how do you apply these to your everyday? So what's great about your podcast is that you speak with these thought leaders and you go through their story and they tell you how these systems have worked or haven't worked. It's You can apply them to yourself because you know that other people have done so. And you, don't, you, you kind of figure out what those tools are, which is great. Yeah, no, I feel like, and in terms of what you're talking about, the sweet spot is finding how to be productive without stressing yourself out. Because when I first got the bullet journal, I wrote way too much in it. And I would just wake up and be like, oh my God, I have to do all this stuff today. And I had to figure out a system that I was productive, but still happy and enjoying my life. So same with me as well. Like when I think about how my system has evolved over the years, I used to probably use more applications and a lot of different yeah. other tools. And I'm kind of like, you know, it's finding that sweet spot and that, you know, one of the points I said earlier in that. You know, I don't think anyone's ever going to find one system that will work for them forever because no, you're always going to be evolving, evolving, right? Like when I first, um, you know, went down this path, I was just so curious about all these different technology apps. And that's, that was when, like, you know, like smartphones and mobile apps were really becoming a thing. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try them all. I'm going to, you know, I'll put in hours and hours to these. I'm like, you know what, like after doing that, I'm like, like this is so unnecessary. And it's, you know, like it's consuming more time than the value I'm getting from it, right? So mm-hmm. it's like a negative ROI. And, you know, with my kind of like business economics mindset, I'm kind of like, you know what? If the marginal cost is higher than the marginal benefit, then that's not a good approach. So how do I change it up? And I think, you know, too often when people start with their bullet journals or with any productivity system, we all get super excited. You know, we have yeah. these big plans. I want to make, <laughs> I want to be more productive. I have these big ambitions. We overcomplicate things. And um, just our society is also engineered us in such a way that we um, you know by nature want to over engineer things and you know I think always encouraging people to be methodical and intentional about why they do what they do things don't need to be complicated I think we as humans over complicate things yeah. I think we almost feel like we have to be busy these exactly. days so they over complicate themselves so like hey we I need to be focusing on many things but the problem with that is most of us aren't doing deep work so that's what's missing is that element of yeah, I have a lot of things in the go, but are you giving 100% to all these, all those things, right? So once you're more intentional, you can be able to sum it down and focus on those two or three, four things, you know, you can give your full attention to. That's lots of time. I think it was Paul Graham who wrote the essay, uh, Makers versus Managers. And he was saying that to be an effective maker, someone who actually creates things, and everyone nowadays wants to create something, like you need... Um, blocks of uninterrupted time versus the manager schedule which you know like i obviously have you know live the manager schedule you know there's a 20 minute call here and then a half an hour thing there and i get back to my desk for like 10 minutes and then there's some other meeting and i'm back and forth next thing you know it's like five o'clock and i haven't been at my desk all day i don't know what i did i sat through like a bajillion meetings i don't even know what that was all about so 
um, I think you know having that major schedule of the t- um, focused time is so important, um, and I'm probably the worst offender of that. What would you say out of your productivity systems that you've implemented have worked the best or that you've learned or you? I would say every Sunday I have a block of time where I do my retrospectives, and this is something I borrow from. Um, like the Scrum methodology, which is what software developers use when they build products. And, you know, that one hour retrospective of just asking three very simple questions, right? Like what worked this week, what didn't work, and what can I learn for next week? And just constantly having these very tight and closed feedback loops of figuring out what works and what doesn't and constantly improving um, has benefited me the most because that's helped me build momentum. That's helped me move quickly and rapidly get to that ideal system. Um, you know, if I were to think of this in like, you know, Marie Kondo's world, I clean my closet every week. That's effectively what I'm doing. I really go through each item and I ask myself, was this something I should have done to, um, this week or not? And I go through every I little thing. That. And um, that's helped me be, um, be quick. That's helped me build momentum. That's helped me be intentional. And, and you know what? Like, like, I don't dwell on it, right? I don't look back and go, like, you know what? Like, 33 weeks ago, you know, this is something I did bad on. Like, no, like the whole point is to keep moving. And if you, um, and if I catch myself making the same mistakes week after week, then I have to really sit down and say, hmm, like, you know, I used to have like a, like a blog to read on Friday um, evenings, um, you know, like in between my workouts and like if I go out or whatever, I have like a two hour block of reading. I never read on Fridays. I'm like, okay, hey, like why is that not happening? It's because reading to me is like an optional thing. So I'm like, if it's an optional thing, it's a Friday, I'm either going to go out, I'm watching TV, I'm going to do anything but read. So now I read on Thursdays, and because on Thursdays, um, you know, like, like unless I'm doing something, um, I'm usually at home, so I can actually read. And then on Fridays, I will work. And then that forces me, you know, like before I think about going out or not, I really think about, if I go out now, is it worth not doing this two, three hours of work? You live with such right? great intention. It's incredible. <laughs> Um, and like it's okay right I think people always ask well you know do you have like you know these work blocks on Fridays do you not go out the answer is of course I go out right I mean like it's just knowing what the trade-off is I think helps me enjoy going out that much more 100% right like how often have you guys been out and you see someone on their phone at the clubs or at the restaurants and like at dinner when someone pulls out their phone like I I can't stand that I'm kind of like why would you be out on your phone sending emails like why don't you just stay home and bang it out on your laptop so you know when I make the trade-off of deliberately not working to be out I'm that much more present I'm that much more intentional yeah that's good you're very reflective of your life love that like I think that helps by being introverted like I think I just naturally I used to be ashamed of it but now I'm so proud of it like when people used to fight it too right yeah they're like you're an introvert I'm like no I'm not I was like in my bedroom Well, I mean, and, and, and again, being alone is a good thing because it's a time for recovery. And some people see, oh, you're just alone, like you're doing nothing. And even busy people are like, oh, I can't just be alone and do nothing. Actually, being alone and doing nothing, I love being alone. it's a great time to sit back and also reflect. Uh, and new ideas come when you're silent. It's, it's actually a really good time to refuel. But I was going to ask you, Raf, so... In all of these systems, you can also connect it back to your relationship. Don't you find that having systems in place for your work life can really help your relationship as well? Because you were speaking on how you connected with your girlfriend, you check in every week, you ask each other what's working, uh, what needs to be improved on. Yeah, the same idea, the whole retrospective, right? We kind of do our little check-in, like what's working, what's not, what can we do better next week? And we just kind of just go through it, like, you know what, like this week, 
we didn't cook at all together. Okay, well, why is that? Well, I was really busy here on these nights, and she was busy. And again, that's okay. It's not like you know we like dwell on it. And I don't think get we, a crock pot. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 so you know, I think being really intentional with everything is is really important. Again, I think for everyone to find what works for them is important. The fact that Joe is also on the same page on these things as well, Joe, helps. your girlfriend, yeah, yeah, like it, like it really helps. Just because, back to the point we talked about, you know, wanting to be alone and finding um, value in that. However, you want to find that unit of value, um, like it makes life so much easier. Because then, you know, for instance, in, back in November, I took a couple of days and I just went to New York by myself. Like I don't think many people knew I just kind of disappeared. I needed to go and like just think and show I've done out. the same trip. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Just go to the moment, hang out and do your thing. And you know, people ask, like, you know, like is it weird that like, you know, Joe's not coming with you and they ask her the same thing. It's like, no, like I need my time, she gets it, she respects it. Um, if you and your partner can be on the same page, that makes building the system together and individually a lot more exciting, a lot more intentional, um, and just a lot more enjoyable in general, I'd say. Um, so with all of this and everything you planned, have you burned out before? Or do you want to talk a little bit about burnout? Well, yeah, speaking oh, of it, before you answer, yeah, you've referenced Hamza Khan a yeah. couple times, and I wanted to let our audience know who he is. So he's a well-recognized author uh, of a book called The Burnout Gamble, which I highly recommend. Really also a serial book. entrepreneur, yeah. brilliant human being. He was on the camera series, I think, for episode 12, and like he just has so much insights and you know, to your question about burnout, we talked about in that episode as well, where uh, absolutely, right? Uh, I mean, you know, I think one area that um, is not a strength of mine is not taking time to um, acknowledge uh, the progress I've made and not, not oh, celebrate that. Good, yeah. And I'm really bad at that. Uh, and that's something which is why I'm really building systems around as part of my weekly and my daily kind of reflection. I make sure I ask myself, like, what is one, like, there's got to be good. one thing you know, in each day that I can celebrate. And if it's even just doing my morning routine, heck, that's worth celebrating, right? I used to not do that at all. And I would just go, go, go. And, you know, there's certain areas that I made a lot of progress in, but I neglected everything else. So uh, to answer your question, I've burned out so many times, even up until last year. And this is when I'm doing the canvas here. I'm all about this intentional systems living. Yeah. I was still burning out. I think, which is why after that New York trip, it, it really occurred to me that I need to take a step back and build capacity. And right now, it's just like sleeping early, like eating right. I haven't missed a workout this year and yeah. really making sure that I don't enter that state of burnout again. Um, and being okay when I take time off. That's something I really struggle with. I love the fact yeah. that you recognize the tools that you need to put in place, but you also will admit that you are imperfect. Like you're not perfect every day. You know, these tools are working for you, but sometimes you just, you know, you slack off a little bit and that's what happens, you know, oh, or sure. life, life happens, right? Like, I think it's, um, it was Tom Billy who often talks about how, you know, he, he puts it like a hundred percent on the field when he's working, but then when he chills out, he's got a popcorn machine and he chills out. And that's something that I, like, I'm really trying to adapt in my life. Yeah, I'm so envious of people who can just completely relax. It's so hard. Lauren, that is you. <laughs> I feel like I'm like a duck, though. Like, I look calm on water, but, like, I have the feet Anxiety. Yeah. yeah, like, I was actually in Florida last week with my parents, and they're both retired, so they're completely, they just don't back. care yeah. anymore. And I'm like, I should be doing something, and they're like, do you want to go for a bike ride? Like, I'm like, I... They're living life. Yeah, like, they don't care anymore, but that's interesting. 
Yeah, it's really hard, I find. You were recently interviewed on the Ride With Me podcast, and you mentioned how you don't uh, believe in work-life balance. You rather see it as an integrated system. Can you explain this? Yeah, so I think, you know, part of that ties into the the conversation earlier about how as a society we're only going to become more multifaceted. And, you know, with the work-life balance kind of concept, um, I see where it came from. There's merit behind it, but I think often it's taken out of context. So, you know, I have to explain. I think a lot of people treat their job as one thing and then their life as a separate thing. And once they leave their 5 o'clock, 5.30, whatever it is, they just, just you know, like are a whole different person and they live for the weekend. And I think that's really unfortunate because it's kind of like you spend most of your waking hours at your job. And I would argue that your work should also benefit your life and reverse as well, right? So if I know that that I have a busy day the next day for work, the night before I'm going to take time and read and meditate, go for a run, chill out, get that energy. And that life aspect benefits the work. And then if I have a busy day at work, that night, you know, like it changes, right? And, you know, Alex on my team, he always reminds me that if I have a podcast recording in the evening, that for that day to try and structure my day where I don't have too many meetings. Because again, as an introvert, if I'm in meetings for eight, 10 hours a day and I have to come home and I have to be on 120% and record a podcast, I don't deliver on my podcast. So how do I structure my work to benefit my personal project? And I think that integration is people don't think about that enough. I love that you said, I feel like my whole life I've always, because I've always had a side hustle, so I was envious of people who got off at five o'clock and went home and did whatever they want. And I'm like, oh, that must be so nice to have the separation. Whereas I go home and work on something else. But it's so nice that you said that, you know, you do have to integrate it. It's all worth it in my it opinion. So I mean, worth it I, opinion, yeah. I leave my full time and I focus on podcasts and that fills me. For sure. Right? But my full time job, I also enjoy. So that's a plus. Exactly. I think I think a lot of people, you know, when they hear that someone has a side hustle, they automatically assume they don't like their day job and they're going to leave. And, you know, they ask, you know, when are you going to leave? When are you going to leave? I actually would argue against that. Right. I, I love my day job. I follow right Absolutely. Now, of course, one day I'm going to move on and do something else. And that's um, understood. But in the meantime, it's like I'm learning a lot from my CEO, who's like my mentor. I'm building relationships in the innovation ecosystem. So, again, you know, for someone to think about, you know, how does the relationships they're cultivating at their work, um, the skills that they're building, the experiences that they're gathering, how does that help them in their own personal endeavors? And everything I learn at my day job at ThoughtWire are all the same concepts, whether it's business and strategy or technology and like everything I learn are all the same principles I apply to my technique. Yeah. Um, the paradigm of technology is very similar to ThoughtWire as well, obviously in a very different context. But again, it's kind of how do I um, the integrate the two together? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're not separate things. I think you know, people have to get away from that mindset because you know, like you're leaving a lot of value on the table when you treat work's work and then everything else out of work is life. Yeah, I, I like that you're integrating. Uh, you're basically giving you know, the world, your ideas or your shared ideas from all the people who are on your podcast, you're getting prepared for future generations because this is the way that life is going to be. So you're giving them the tools that will apply to their business life, their personal life and the other priorities in their life, which is a beautiful thing. But going back to all of the hardworking professionals uh, that you've interviewed, you interviewed, can you call one of the most powerful guests you've had on your show and some of the greatest systems he or she puts into practice? 
Uh, so one that comes to mind, I suppose we talked about earlier, was Hamza. Okay. And, um, you know, if I were to just pick one system, because he was the one who, um, you know, really showed me this whole idea of um, tracking, measuring, and planning around your energy. Before that, again, I never did that. And, you know, that's something that I never thought about. And you know, when he shared that with me and him as an introvert as well, you know, I remember when he first told me that I was in disbelief. I'm like, Hamza, like, you're so outgoing. You, like, you do these public speeches. Like, like you're definitely not an introvert. And that's exactly what we thought about you. But yeah. I feel like, yeah, well, I feel like, you know, for you guys as well, right? it's the same idea. And, and, you know, something that Hamza taught me was to, to manage your life around your energy as well. And that's been a game changer. And he was also the one who... Um, who explained to me this concept of non-negotiables. And I never thought of it as a non-negotiable. I thought of things like it's my calendar, it's gospel. But he was like, you know what, Raph, there's certain things in your calendar that cannot move no matter what. And I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, that's so true. Even and if it means self-love. Yes. Yeah. Right? And I think about, you know, what are my non-negotiables now? And I'd say those are the things that keep me afloat. Those are probably the things that helped me the most and gives me the most leverage in terms of preventing burnout, my non-negotiables, my meditation, my morning routines, my reading, my running, my blue boxes are like, like those things do not move no matter what. Right. So I had someone asked me the other day, uh, she's like, is this true? Are we the average of the five people we spend the most time with? And I know Tim Ferriss often says that that's how he feels. So he really stresses that. How do you manage your surroundings to better yourself? I'd say, you know, short answer, just be very intentional about it, right? So, you know, when I think of, you know, what is the system at my tech, and I'm trying to really become the standard on what are these life and productivity systems. And I think of a system as a combination of processes, so habits and routines, uh, the people you spend your time with, and the tools, you know, whether it's like analog or digital. So on the people aspect, just being very intentional about who you want to spend your time with. And, and again, like there are, there are going to be people who drain energy from you, and you know, these may be family, um, no, that's my case, um, certain friends. And like, I think it's okay, um, but, but I think just being aware of you know, where your time, energy, and intention are going towards, how you want to organize them, and understanding that it is your calendar and you have to respect yourself and the concept of self-love, like you have to love yourself first, um, and really thinking that through. I think you know, too often when I think back, and like, I don't regret it, um, but when I think back about when I was younger, I used to, go out like Thursday and Fridays and Saturdays and like I was out three times a week and just kind of what I did and I wasn't intentional about it I just thought it was what I guess you know 20 something year olds do and and you know now I'm a lot more intentional about it right and I think that's brought me a lot more joy and like this again taking out clutter and noise and distractions and it's like again I'm, we're just so much more present I'm not on my phone I'm not thinking about other things if I'm having dinner with you or, or if I'm having drinks with you, I'm in 100%. Relationships right. and friends will really respect that. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Um, as minimalists, we love to live simple and intentional lives. Um, what simple practices do you engage in and what brings meaning to your life? You know, I think when I practice the principles of minimalism, it's not in the traditional sense of physical objects. I'm definitely off order in that regard. But I think, you know, in terms of mental a clutter in terms of my time very intentional about that and again it's just having a rigorous system of really thinking through what goes in my calendar so you know where I am who I'm with what I'm doing why I'm doing it really thinking around every block and look at my calendar it's like a Tetris it's just completely covered um, so being very intentional about that's really important and what brings meaning to my life is all those things I described um, earlier right it's not just my 
my mission. I think some people sell this idea that you have, you know, entrepreneurs have to be, uh, like their whole lives have to be dedicated towards this mission. I'm kind of like, not really. It's more, it's it's more of a philosophy for me, and I apply that across my mission, my career, my relationship, my travels, my health, and my relationship with my friends and family, community, and across those six, seven dimensions. Uh, those are all the things that right now give the most meaning to me. Um, that may change. Um, the weighting across each gauge may change over time, and that's something that I'll continuously keep an eye on. What are two lifestyle improvements that our audience can benefit from that you've made to live each day with greater intention in a big way? So first, I'd say audit your time and your energy if possible. Like Really think about where you put your time and energy, and there's you know, different ways you can do it. You can carry a notebook with you and write down, you know, between 9 and 10 o'clock, I did this, and it was a high, medium, low energy, or you can use it on a calendar, or and it's kind of like whatever tool you want to use, I don't care what it is, but audit your time and energy and attention. And then two would be be very intentional about planning it going forward. Once you figure out what you want to do, put it in your calendar or whatever you use and be intentional. And I think that combination of awareness and intentional will help you execute much easier. It'll help you learn much faster and then it'll generate those kind of outcomes you want. Um, In your podcast, you talk about um, criticism. Uh, I want to ask you how you can use criticism to be better as opposed to taking it negatively. Yeah, so I think, you you know, when I when I receive criticism, um, it's really important that you don't, t- like, I don't take it personal. And again, of course I'm going to take it personal. We're humans. We're going to take things personal. Yeah. I, I'm not going to act like I don't. Um, and I think, you know, just on the side, I think that's where meditation really helps me. It helps me kind of detach myself with emotions and really think about, you know, what, like, am I actually upset? Why am I upset? And, like, of what's causing this emotion so there's that but you know not taking it personal baking it into my retrospectives and really thinking about okay so with this data point have i heard it before um you know like in um, what other situations or contexts have i received this before and then how can i improve for next week again back to those three questions right what worked what didn't work and what can i learn for next week and just try for next week and design experiments sometimes around that um, you know having feedback having reminders whatever it is but just constantly improve and not dwell on these feedback points is, you know, something that's inherent by definition in this kind of weekly sprint kind of iterative um, methodology that I use in my life. Okay, that's great. So I've already recommended the Canvas series to several friends, and I, I've seen that you you kind of mix things up a little bit these days, which is very cool, giving people basically, hey, like, here are 10 things you can do to be more productive, like starting this week, right? So what I love about that is that it's actionable, like people can start applying it to themselves immediately, they don't have to sift through all this information to pull out the nuggets, which is great. And that's what we need these days, because our attention spans are very, very short. So there's that aspect. Uh, But that being said, you are a very busy human. Now that you have everything kind of in place, and I know everything's imperfect, perfectly imperfect, uh, what lights you up every day? I would say, you know, when I think about why I'm doing all of this, um, I think it was Hamza's who asked me that question. We love Hamza in this episode. So so shout out to Hamza. But, you know, I I think he asked me, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what is that one thing that truly matters at the end of, you know, one's life? You know, for me, success or whatever you want to define it, happiness, fulfillment, whatever you want to call it, is for me to say at the end of the day, like, 
yes, I, 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 it was fun. It was one heck of a ride. It was one, you know, like, like I just want to get fired up about it. I, you know, and, and so when I think about that, it's like, how do I get to the end of my life and say like, yes, like that was like, that was one hell of a ride and, and like, I'm okay to go. Um, how do I achieve that is to achieve that every single day. Now, do I get that every single day? Absolutely not. There's going to be so many bad days and so many down days. I had them two days ago. But, you know, my philosophy is that, you know, if I can win enough days in my life, then at the end of the day, I'm going to win my life. So, mm-hmm. so you know, back to your question about what fires me up every day, it's another chance to win the day. It's another game. It's another inning. I, I'm very competitive, and I treat my days like a game. And it's kind of like, you know, how can I win my day today? How can I go to bed tonight? absolutely fired up and like no no like you know whether you play sports or you know do art or in business or whatever it is we all have accomplishments and we all know that feeling of like when you get something that sense of accomplishment like you won something my goal is to get that feeling every single night to win my days and, and I love your ambition I love that, yeah. your ambition is huge which is a beautiful thing and you know what it's also a reminder to those out there who maybe do have a day job and it's not fully fulfilling that they should listen to that voice so that every single day they, you know, when you're doing something you really, really love, even if it's a side hustle, it just fills you up every day. And even if you fail and have down days, you'll know the next day, at least you're doing something that you're passionate about, something that you love. So it will help you and keep you motivated to continue and to keep going. For sure. And just to be clear, I think it's important to recognize that um, not every day, um, you know, like um, at the beginning of every day as part of my morning routine, I also define, you know, what needs to be true today for me to say I won my day. And not every day has to be work or podcast or mission related. You know, you know, some mornings I might say, you know what, today is a, would be, I would win my day today if I can cook an amazing meal with Joe tonight. Like that to me could be a winning day because, you know, that's one of the, you know, six kind of dimensions I mentioned earlier, or a winning day could be, you know, today, uh, you know, I'm going to hit a new personal best with my running and, and I'm just, like, I need to do it today. I, I need to crush it today. And that's on my health dimension. So I don't think winning each day has to be about work related. Mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to define what winning the day looks like, because that's the only way you can measure um, and, you know, decide if you won your day, right? Like you can't improve what you don't measure. And that's in business. That's in life. That's in everything. And, and you can only measure things if you have a target. So, you know, the one thing I encourage people to do is think about however they want to do it or track and remember it, define what winning looks like. And then at the end of the day or week or month or whatever, find a way to measure what that winning is. Like, did you win or not? And I think it's okay if you don't win. I don't win all my days. I don't win all my weeks. Um, but um, in aggregate, if I can win even 80% of my days of my life, I'm good to go. No, that's that's very well said. I mean, again, it also goes back to the relationships in your life. Lauren and I were talking about, especially over the holidays, that we'd have our phone away, for example, because we'd be super present with our family and we we have their full attention. Uh, they'd have ours. You know, that was a successful day. Like I, how much better do you feel when you do that? My yeah. family, and even if it's your successful day, it has to be on your phone. Like that's another day. Like this happens to be a day where you were successful or you were together with your significant other, your girlfriend, your boyfriend uh, for that day and you spent quality time. You're like, wow, that was a win. Yes. Right? Because yes. mm-hmm. I used to be one of those people that, you know, I'd be, I would have my phone out during date night dinners. Like I was one of those. And like, bad, bad. I was, yeah, it was pretty bad. I don't recommend people do that. But, you know, it, it's a learning process. It's figuring out what winning is. And back to the point about 
what matters to you, what is meaningful to you, what are what are your priorities, and and starting there to define what winning looks like. Because I imagine all the listeners now are wondering, okay, well, what does winning win for me? I mean, for me, we'll start with what matters to you. Is it your health? Is it your relationship? Is it your work? Is it your soccer team? Is it your blog? I don't care. It could, it, it could be your Instagram page for all I care. Right? It's a it's, template and it's yeah. a canvas to work from. Yes, find out what works for you. I think that's the one I'm trying to drill out here. Um, I just want to end this with, you know, everyone kind of wants to live their passion. Uh, what's your advice on this? So I think, one, you have to um, cultivate it. I think you need to develop it. I don't think you find it. I don't think you go on these soul-searching solo travels to Southeast Asia and you come back with a passion. That doesn't work that way. I think when you break down what a passion is, it's something you enjoy and probably something you're um, obsessed with to a certain degree. It's kind of like, okay, well, find out what you enjoy. Start there, right? And then the obsession part you only become obsessed with something when you start doing it, right? So you have to do things and try things and see what you naturally gravitate towards. What do you genuinely enjoy doing such that even if you didn't you know, get paid for it or have, even if you poured money into it and you don't make anything from it, that you genuinely enjoy doing it, right? You know, whether your passion is in music or sports, I think we've all done certain activities, you know, growing up that we didn't make money from. I didn't become a soccer player. I didn't become a pro skier, but I poured a lot of money into those activities. Why? Because I enjoyed it and I was obsessed with it. Same podcast and the same kind of idea. So I would encourage everyone to think about how can they build a system that allows them to, you know, identify the things they enjoy and find ways to practice it, find ways to immerse themselves in it. And again, the very similar principles of have a target, have a hypothesis. Like I think podcasting is something that is quote unquote my passion. Okay, well I'm gonna try three episodes, and then you know, and then at the end of the three episodes, I'm gonna ask myself, is this something I want to continue for another mm-hmm. ten episodes? Mm-hmm. And then yes or no, you keep cultivating that, and then one day, two years later, that becomes what people see as a passion, which is what happened to me you know, when I first started. It was only about recording three episodes. I wrote that down in my mind, but I still have it to say. And I, and I remember at the end of the third episode, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to record three more. And then that was it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to record one a month. And I did that. And now it's one a month and a weekly show. And then there's a company behind the technology. So that this passion that people you know like to call it that I you know, somehow found has been a two-year journey of finding what I like and really immersing myself in it. It's an interest that you basically wrote down. So you wrote a bunch of interests and then you chose it and said, hey, I'm going to develop it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, great. I'll do another. I'll focus on another one. And Tom Bilyeu really stresses that. He has the podcast Impact Theory. And he says, you know, it's, again, a, a passion is not something that you find. So if you're sitting there in your day job and you're not happy, like it's not going to just come out of nowhere and fly in the sky. You're going to capture it. It's something that you need to write down and figure out of those interests that you really enjoy. Like, what do you want to develop and yes. trial and error? Because if you're picking a passion that you don't really realize that you need to develop, like if you're not applying yourself and you just think you're going to find it and it's just everything's great. It's going to happen from there. Like it's not going to work. Right? For sure. And something I often you know talk to people about that, you know, I'm not creating my content. I'm not trying to be a thought leader or be in the business of helping people figure out their why or their passion. What I could help is to give them the tools to 
take that action once they kind of figure out, okay, Absolutely. you know, they have the mindset, they have the principles of, you know, living simply, of you know, removing clutter, of being intentional. They have these kinds of frameworks that they can use to figure out what their passion is, which mm-hmm. is what you guys talk about on your show. Yeah. Okay. How do you execute that? How do you put that into your day-to-day passion, uh, um, you know, like your calendar? Like, how do you actually figure that out? Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I think the combination of these two things is what people need to think about. Um, and uh, I think, unfortunately, you know, too often people get stuck in trying to figure it out and trying to think it through. And they, you know, they stare at the wall and they have this blank piece of paper and pen and try to figure that out by writing it out. And I think we need to take action to figure that out. Absolutely. Um, So awesome. Yeah. And to conclude, what I love about this synergy we have right now with the three of us is that basically Lauren and I, you know, Millennial Minimalist is really dear to our heart because we are helping our audience, you know, discover their why, you know, uncover all the clutter so that they can see their innate identity and see themselves and listen to their inner voice and write down their goals. So it's, you know, the beginning in the end but it's the in-between it's you know all the tools and systems that we need to put into our everyday and that's where you come in and you you solve that how-to so I highly recommend everything you do especially your podcast to all of our listeners so again thank you so much yeah thank you so much that was so much wisdom yeah. thank you for having me yeah yeah and so where can our audience find you um, they can find our website is www.mytechne.io. Techne is spelled T-E-C-H-N-E. And you can find me all over social media at mytechne.io. Our podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all the platforms under the Can series. And I think we should also give a shout out to Hamza Khan, who we have discussed quite a few times in this Rocky podcast. He <laughs> has a podcast called Ideas Into Action. So also highly recommend that yes. as well. And I was also just on that podcast, with, oh. which I think was episode six or seven. So if people want to learn more, they can jump in. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for your time. And I really, really hope um, our audience can listen in and get a lot from it. So thank you for appreciate me. it. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening and you can find us on social media at Millennial Minimalists.